0: This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's
1: best sellers, Andaria algae body oil and Andaria collagen body lotion.
0: Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's o s e a malibu.com code GLOW.
1: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein,
0: 20 male, Asian, and about 5'7", so I often look younger than I actually am. A good number of my classes start in the morning, and end just after noon, so I usually get lunch and head back to my apartment to sleep. I don't have a car, and the walk from my apartment to campus takes around 7 minutes, so I go on foot. Since summers here tend to heat up to around 90 degrees Fahrenheit during the day, I've been wearing shorts and t-shirts for the past month. Long sleeves and pants are suicide. This past Thursday, just past 2pm, as I was returning to my apartment from class, I heard the very distinct music of an ice cream truck rolling behind me and to my left. I was maybe 10 feet away from the next intersection I had to cross, when I heard the engines rev behind me, and the cars began to accelerate my way. Since the intersection I was about to cross would be a right turn for the ice cream truck and any cars waiting in the same lane as he was, I decided to wait for the cars to turn before I crossed the sidewalk. Most of the cars turned right or went straight. But the ice cream truck slowed down in his right turn lane, and the driver, a man in a white shirt, waved to me that it was alright to cross. However, as I started to cross, the ice cream truck slid forward a few feet. Not wishing to be run over, I stopped dead in my tracks and moved to a fair distance from the curb and motioned for the driver to go forward. The driver gave me a look, halfway between a smile and a grimace, and then turned right and went on his way down the street. It bothered me a little bit, but I shrugged it off as just a weird coincidence until the next day. Friday 10am, while heading towards campus on foot, I noticed the very same ice cream truck parked at the exact curb where I had crossed last time. It was 67 degrees Fahrenheit outside, far too cold to be selling ice cream. The truck's music was turned off, and it didn't look like anyone was in it. Still, I walked on the far edge of the sidewalk to keep as much distance as I could from the truck, which had no brand name and a barely attached license plate while keeping my eyes wandering near the truck to track any movement. The truck was backed a short distance from the right turn lane, just enough that one car could bypass the truck to turn right, but as close to the intersection as possible. On my way back from class, I tried to clear it up to myself as the possibility of the Ice Cream Man selling route. After all. I'd heard the ice cream truck around the area at different times within the past week, and I hadn't encountered the ice cream man before. It could just be that he was taking a lunch break at 10am? Oh sure, that made sense. When I reached the intersection, the ice cream truck's parking lights were on, but it was not playing music. The driver, wearing his white shirt called out hey cutie want some ice cream was he talking to me odd way to greet a guy creepy way to greet the girl he mistakenly thought i was i looked both ways and crossed the street then heard the ice cream truck quietly roll up behind me on the road you got some nice legs you want some candy darling I responded flatly, lactose intolerant, and I'm a guy. Well, you got a nice ass for a little boy. Come here and you can bite down on my churro. I winced, bit my lip, and walked faster down the street. As I scanned the area around me, he caught my eye and beckoned. I continued walking on the edge of the sidewalk furthest from the street, Noting that, one, I was the only person on the entire street for the next two blocks. Two, and there were no students waiting at the edge of the campus that could see down the street I was on. I'll give you waffle cones for free. You just have to come here and I'll pour syrup on your icy. Hey, get over here, dammit! My gut clenched. The hair on the back of my neck tingled and I felt some sort of primal alarm. Get out of here. Go, go, go. I sprinted for my apartment, covering the first block in seconds, while I heard the ice cream truck rev up behind me. I was almost run over by a Ram truck at the next intersection, controlled by stop signs. But the angry Ram driver's acceleration bought me time, as it almost collided with the ice cream truck and both vehicles swerved. I drew out my keys as I ran, reached my unit, and when I unlocked the door, I practically fell on the floor in relief. I shut the windows, closed the blinds, and turned the fans in the apartment on to Max. My bedroom window had a half-inch hole in its corner, but I was certain that it wouldn't be enough for the man to get in. Later that evening. I called a friend of mine about the incident, and I could hear her frustration over the phone. You're an idiot. The reason he let you go across the intersection was so that he could follow you back to your residence. Now he knows where you live. Don't go outside. Well, crap. Saturday morning was spent with the windows closed, me always on edge, and the fans turned up to the maximum. Every little sound scared the shit out of me, from slamming doors upstairs to kids laughing outside. Then, around 4.30 p.m., I heard the ice cream truck's music echo from a nearby street, then fade away. For that moment, I allowed myself a moment of naive hope and went straight to the restroom to relieve my panicked intestines then lay down on my bed after, around 4.50pm. I started hearing tapping around the unit at around 5.07pm, while lying on my bed and scrolling Reddit on my phone. I thought perhaps it might just be my jittery nerves fooling me, and so moved to the front of the unit. The tapping paused, then abruptly began again in greater frequency. Between the edge of the blinds and the window's left edge, I caught sight of a white shirt moving to the far end of the outside of my unit. Oh no. Fearful, I armed myself with two serrated steak knives from the kitchen cabinet and opened the door, fully expecting to plunge my blades into the ice cream man. But no one was outside and the entire building was completely quiet. No ice cream man, no kids, no parents, and not even a pedestrian on the sidewalk. I entered back into my unit, locked the door, set the knives down in the knife rack, and laid back down on my bed. I must be losing my mind, too paranoid to tap, tap, tap. The noise came from the bedroom window. With horror, I noticed from my lowered position on the bed, the blinds angled downwards, simply limiting vision to the whole length of my body to the person outside. I heard several grunts of exertion, not the sound a person makes when lifting something, rather, splat. Immediately aware of the rancid stench of the splooge left just outside my bedroom window and of my unfortunate position, I rolled off the bed, grabbed my handheld pepper spray from my nightstand, and after short deliberation in the kitchen, a butcher's knife. As I rushed out the door and around the back of my unit, I saw the man waddle away as fast as he could, pants gathered around his knees. At my range, I wouldn't be able to get him with the knife, so I instead blasted him with the pepper spray from around a 10-foot distance. The burning mixture stained the nearby industrial garbage containers, but a good amount of it also traveled into the man's bum hole and on his hanging junk. With a screech more animalistic than man, he painfully stumbled to his truck and sped away legs pinched together over each other like the closed blades of a scissor. I spent the rest of the day stuffing the corner of the bedroom window with medical gauze to block out the stench. I reported the men to the police, but with the very vague description I had given, they just shrugged and said they'd do their best, but might not find the guy. Fair enough. Dear Ram Driver sorry for the illegal crossing and angering you but thanks for not also following me in a fit of road rage dear ice cream man a curse upon you may you forever suffer fiery diarrhea turning your white shirt permanently reddish brown may we never meet again This isn't a long story, and doesn't have a particularly climatic ending, but here it goes. So my boyfriend and I were visiting a few friends in Richmond, Virginia. We went with another couple, and decided to get an Airbnb. The other couple that we went with picked out the Airbnb, but they hadn't really been in Richmond, Virginia before. So the place they picked was about 15 to 20 minutes outside the city center bit of a pain in the ass but not a big deal the neighborhood was nice and the house was okay when we got to the house it seemed really i can't really describe it it, it was nice enough and we were only staying a weekend and the owner left us some banana bread but there was just this odd vibe to it a bit of a creepy vibe For example, when I put our stuff in our bedroom, I opened up the closet, and there was nothing in it but a chair, not like a fold-up chair, but like a small child's chair, facing the bed from the closet. No hangers, no other linens, no towels, just a small chair in an empty closet. I know that reading it, it doesn't sound creepy, but I promise you, It was weird. I brushed it off and we decided to settle in, and then go and meet up with some friends from the city. Day turned into night. We all had a bit to drink, and decided to call it an evening at around 1.30am. The four of us head back to the house and went to bed. Usually, when I drink, there is nothing in the world that will wake me up. My head hits the pillow And that is where I will remain until the sun comes up. So I don't know why it didn't happen this particular night. Maybe it was the fill of the house. But I woke up at around 3am to a quiet giggle. Like a grown man giggle. I thought maybe my boyfriend was just giggling in his sleep. But then the giggling started getting louder. And it sounded like it was coming. From outside our window. The window was located behind the bed and above our heads. So I quietly snuck up to see if I could see anything. Nothing. There was no one out there. But it went quiet. The giggling had stopped. So I was about to just go back to sleep. But then. It started back up again. This time. I knew it wasn't my boyfriend, and I knew it wasn't the other couple. The giggling grew louder and louder until it was just full-blown hysterical laughter. Right outside our window, at 3am. I felt my boyfriend's hand clench mine. I didn't even know he was awake. I asked him, Did you bring your gun? "No." but i have my knife he asked if i saw anything out there and i said no the laughing stopped after about 15 minutes we stayed up till about 4 a.m looking outside the window making sure that laughter didn't come back we finally went back to sleep when we woke up the next morning we asked the other couple if they had heard anything and they said no. In fact, they thought we were crazy. One of them suggested that I dreamt it. But how did my boyfriend and I both dream that there was some random person laughing their heads off outside our bedroom window? I can't tell what's creepier to be honest. The fact that we heard that at 3am in this creepy house right next to our window, or that when we looked outside, there was no one there. I guess you can chalk it up to not being able to see it, to maybe this person being directly under our window. But why would someone do that? Why would someone just stay for 15 minutes outside of a house, giggling and laughing, and then just leave? Nothing happened after that. We went back home. But to this day, my boyfriend and I still bring it up as one of the creepiest things to ever happen to us. So, to the random dude laughing outside the bedroom window at 3am, let's never meet.
1: I'm sure many of you have been to a newly remodeled McDonald's. Possibly one with a McCafe. But have you ever looked up why they started remodeling the restaurants in the first place? The first McCafe in the States popped up in Chicago, back in May 2001. That was just the beginning. Now, over the last five years, McDonald's has taken to remodeling every single restaurant in America. Most of you might even be asking yourself how long it's been since you last stepped foot in an old McDonald's. Ask anyone who's done some market research, and you'll hear something strange. McDonald's loses money on the process. It's a fact. The new furniture isn't pulling new customers, and the McCafes can't sell coffee that cheap and turn a profit. Look at Starbucks prices, and you'll see what I mean. Stakeholders say they want a more adult vibe to the restaurant. A classier look for a classier America. Wrong answer. Google it right now. What's McDonald's target age group? It's children and teens, it always has been. So then why did they start all these remodels? Why would one of the largest corporations in America spend over $1 on a terrible marketing strategy? That's where things get interesting. Let's start with the playplaces. If you can remember, almost no two playplaces at McDonald's were identical. Some of them were really fun, I know I had a few favorites. Well, some of them were also really dangerous. The first gem I could find was a carousel play place in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, back in the 1980s that got shut down mere months after opening. Little information was given about why they closed. The lot has been vacant ever since. If you find the right connections in Lancaster, though, you just might be able to read an article that didn't make it into print. Children would play on the merry-go-round in ways they weren't supposed to, you see. They're kids, so of course they would. Well one day a few kids managed to crawl underneath the thing, but then they never made it back out. The whole incident was so heavily guarded by McDonald's PR, you'd be troubled to find a single person that was even there that whole afternoon. The only witness anyone could find had this to say. When they went under, a few parents started calling for help. Then something happened to the lights, the carousel kept getting brighter and the music was deafening. I ran out of the building when the machine started to smoke but I looked back through the window to see if the kids were alright, and the employees were just standing there behind the registers. They looked like they were still waiting for customers. Weirder and weirder stories pick up from there through the years. Reports of children sinking into ball pits that should only be a foot deep, mothers searching playtubes for their kids only to find a lonely pair of shoes. But the playplaces held a mere fraction of these incidents. Back in 1996, in Knoxville, Tennessee, There was a businessman of his forties, who went into a McDonald's restroom and remained there for seven hours. Patrons noted that he refused to leave the furthest back stall. The police were finally called and they managed to break down the door. He was restrained by paramedics as he wouldn't willingly leave the restroom. As they pulled him out of the stall, he began screaming, Bloody murder! Take me back! I want to go back! But the moment he exited the restaurant, he passed out. He had no memory of ever going to a McDonald's the day of the incident. The restaurant was shut down before anyone could inspect the stall he had shut himself in. However, anyone who used the bathroom that day mentioned hearing several voices whispering things like, It wasn't him. We have to go back. Saw you smile. Then there was a fry cook somewhere in Vermont back in 99 who walked into the middle of the restaurant and dumped scalding oil on himself without flinching or saying a word. Several of the customers started to laugh and roll around in the burning oil alongside him and were all rushed to hospital. Only one survived, but refused to make a statement. Not that she easily could. Her throat melted all the way through and had to be completely restructured. The manager claimed he didn't remember ever hiring the fry cook and that he wasn't in any official paperwork. His name tag didn't even have a name, just hashtag, 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 hashtag written on it. Once again, the McDonald's was closed without a trace. Most of the stories sounded like urban legends to me, but it never failed. Wherever I found a story, the McDonald's had been shut down in its wake. Near the late 2000s, the number of cover-ups had become so frequent that McDonald's decided to shut all of them down and rebuild. Every. Single. One. But of course, they missed a few. I needed to see one for myself. I remember going into the old McDonald's as a kid, but that was before the frequency of the incidents. That was when it was still safe. There was a small town on the way to my parents' house just off the highway. Araska was its name. Maybe a hundred residents, completely untouched by the outside world, practically forgotten. It was pointless to stop there for any normal reason because there wasn't a gas station or rest stop, not even a sign to let you know you were close. Let's just say I had to sneak my way around some very old building permits to discover that they had one of the few McDonald's, aside from some treasured landmarks, that has yet to go through a remodel since the 1970s. How lucky is that? I was surprised that they even had a fast food place, yet they didn't have a market or post office. I planned a trip to my parents' place for the weekend, with a stop at Araska on the way. It was already dark out, since it was the dead of winter, and I didn't get off work till five. I was cold and grumpy about driving at night, but mostly determined. The turnoff from the highway was just a dirt road, with no landmarks or anything. As I pulled into town, none of the houses had lights on, most of the street lights were out as well, as though nobody had remembered to change the bulbs in years. This place really was untouched. I'd be surprised if most of the residents hadn't moved out or simply died off. It definitely had the makings of a ghost town anyway. I was about to lose hope when I finally saw it. The nauseous yellow light of those golden arches illuminating a vacant parking lot in the distance. It buzzed and flickered like a fly zapper running out of batteries. The sign below said, Eat New Eggs McUffin. We like to saw you smile which I assumed was just a lazy teen's handiwork. I pulled into the lot and carelessly parked my car in the center. There was nobody else there anyway. When I stepped out of my car, I felt a squish under my foot. There was a burger covered in mold with a rancid liquid oozing out. The smell was absolutely vomit-worthy. I jumped out to scrape the contents of the burger from my shoe when I noticed the whole parking lot was covered in trash. There were half-eaten boxes of fries and sun-baked children's toys spilling out of old greased up McDonald's bags. Everything was mixed in with the dirt and snow like it had been here for months, possibly years. I hurried across the lot to avoid retching all over the asphalt. As I approached the door, I noticed the windows were caked in dust. Somebody had taped a piece of paper to the door with the word CLOSED scribbled across it in red marker, yet the sign hung from the inside, clearly said OPEN. Cautiously, I approached the door and pushed. An artificial bell hummed an old McDonald's tune that fizzled out on the last few notes as the door creaked open. I looked around the fluorescent lit room and saw it was void of life. There was nobody sitting at any of the tables and nobody attending the registers. Somebody had left a tray on one of the tables in the back. But there was no other sign someone had been there. The inside was at least a little cleaner. The toys on display by the counter were of characters I'd never heard of, likely from before my time. The whole place was covered in faded coats of yellow and red paint, and all the tables had that classic McDonald's wood finish. The wood looked completely rotten, but slathered in coats of polish as a sad attempt to keep it looking new. All of it had a sort of green hue, which I attributed to the old lights. The most noticeable element though was a terrible burning plastic smell that stung my nose. I went up to the register. I felt like I shouldn't order anything, but I was hoping maybe I could ask someone a few questions. I waited for a good fifteen minutes in silence. I shouted hello with only a muted echo for a response. I had been to a few McDonald's with bad service in the past. But this was insane. With how dirty the whole place was, I should have expected as much. Just as I was about to turn around and give up, the cash register popped open. It was practically begging me to take a tip for myself. Besides, didn't I deserve a slight reward for wasting my time here? I casually walked over to it and saw at least a dozen twenties stacked high. Looking around to make sure nobody was watching. I reached in to take a few bills when the thing suddenly snapped closed right on my fingers. The metal dug deep into my flesh, leaving a dark trail of blood down the side of the counter. I yelped in pain. Behind the counter, at the other end of the grill, was a first aid kit hanging on the wall. The lights were burned out in the kitchen area, but I needed a bandage pronto. I hopped over the table and made my way to the back. The burning smell was getting stronger as I walked. I noticed the grill was covered in a thick layer of grease, completely unsuitable for cooking. I passed by the frying station and the oil was filled at the top with maggots. I quickened my walk to the first aid, hoping to get patched up and out of there as soon as possible. I was starting to realize that this restaurant definitely wasn't open for business anymore, and I probably shouldn't have entered it in the first place. I opened up the first aid kit and had to swallow some vomit. A cloud of mold burst out from it in every direction, followed by the same bubbling black ooze that was on the burger outside. I started coughing and waving my hands in the air to clear the mold dust floating around. The same bell I heard playing that McDonald's tune started up again as I steadied myself. I assumed it was broken like the rest of this dump. I looked back toward the counter and noticed everything seemed farther away. I must have been disoriented from losing blood and that awful smell. I looked down at my hand to see how bad the wound was and my eyes widened. There was no wound on my hand at all. I rushed back toward the counter in panic when something under the stove caught my foot and I fell. In the darkness, my eyes started to adjust and I saw the outline of a body. Somebody was under there. Maybe they were unconscious and needed help. I yanked at the person's arm, and a half-decayed body slid out across the floor. They were wearing a McDonald's employee shirt with a name tag that read hashtag, 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 hashtag. Their mouth was contorted into a sickening grin, but their eyes were screaming. I tried to shout but no sound came out, like when trying to wake up from a nightmare. As I scrambled to get back up on the counter, the lights had started to dim, and the McDonald's tune was getting louder, the notes fizzling and distorting as they played. Once I had gotten my grip above the counter, I froze. Since entering, I never looked at the side of the restaurant opposite the counter. There was a play place, the glass separating the main restaurant from the play area, had hundreds of bloody handprints smearing down toward the floor. The tube slide was caved in with chunks of red liquid spurting out from the tiny hole left at the bottom. There was a row of nooses tied to the monkey bars in the corner, with employees wearing the same hashtag, 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 hashtag hashtag name tags hanging from them. The tables around the perimeter had skeletons with rotting food left on trays. some of the food hanging from the skull's mouths, I looked on in horror, too shocked to move. While the rest of the restaurant went dark, a bulb in the center of the play place continued to glow like a carnival spotlight. Below it was a massive ball pit, barely able to contain all its colored plastic balls. It was smoking under the blaring white light, making that awful burning plastic smell. The balls began to rattle and fall off the edge when something inside started shuffling around. I wanted to run so badly, but my body refused. Then suddenly the music went dead and the movement stopped. A yellow glove slowly crept upward from the pit below, writhing its fingers as it went. A connected red and white sleeve came after it, slowly alternating colors as they appeared from underneath. The arm continued to reach toward the sky, growing more and more, while its joints popped and cracked like breaking branches. By the end, that arm had to be at least six feet long. It finally reached for the lit bulb on the ceiling with its gangly, gloved fingers and began to twist it loose. I broke into a sprint, jumping over the counter and toppling chairs as I went. That last light went out just as I got to the exit. I bashed through the door, breaking the glass in the process. As I rolled into the parking lot, I heard a distant scream, and then something whispered right next to my ear in dead silence. It had the same tinny distortion as the McDonald's tune. "'Come back. I want to see you smile.' I haven't told anyone about what happened there that night. There was an article online saying Araska burned to the ground a few days later. I don't know if it was a cover-up or something else, but I'm never going back to find out. I didn't share this because I want you to get involved, by the way. I shared it to warn you what happens when you do. You can go to a new McDonald's, keep getting your Big Macs, get your McCafe coffee, that's fine. They did something to the remodels to make them safe, at least for now. But don't ever go into an old McDonald's, not even the drive thru I've got to stop typing now and get some pain meds. My jaw hurts and the hand I snapped in that register has been getting itchy.
0: I have been roofied three times. Once in high school and twice when I was in college. I am no stranger to the effects of being drugged, and it's a brutal experience as a whole. My worst was my third and hopefully last. At the time, I was about 22 years old and finishing up college, and I was using Tinder and had met a few folks where we had chatted, had gone on some dates, but nothing really serious. This one week, I had two dates planned. The first one on Friday with the EMT for sushi and drinks downtown, and the second to the state fair on Sunday. Come Friday, I ironically had left a note for my roommate at the time with the EMT Tinder guy's name, his Facebook info, and general information because of my hyper-paranoia. He picked me up, and we went to sushi. First and foremost, this had to be one of the rudest men I have ever encountered. I am talking yelling at waitstaff, complaining about everything, and being a general dickhole. I was completely over any interest in a guy, almost immediately. But I didn't want to be the date dash kind of person. So I finished my beverage, excused myself to the bathroom, and sent a mass text to some friends about meeting up downtown so they could save me from him. A pair of friends already planning to go out agreed to meet me out. In the meantime, Asshat and I go to a local bar to grab a beer. I buy us two bottles, trying to be smart here having been roofied before, and don't let it leave my sight. We drink them, and he, of course, continues to be a douche. Eventually, he asks if we want to go somewhere else. Since it was getting close to the time my friend said they were going to meet me, I suggested the spot where the save was going to go down. We walk there, burning off the 2.5 rolls of sushi I ate, one margarita at dinner, and one beer from the last place. Now keep that in mind, as I am not a lightweight, and at 5'8 and 135 pounds, I can handle my drinks, especially when spread out over a course of about three or so hours. We arrive at the bar and get another drink. I ordered a vodka soda and he a beer. We go and sit at the table, positioned so I can see the front door, and sort of chat as I am really trying not to say something rude as fuck to him for the way he treated people at the restaurant and more. Finally, my friends walk in, and I jump up and call their names. Thank God they are here. They walk over and say hey. I half introduce them to the tender turd, and step aside from the table to give them a hug and ask them to come with me to the bathroom. I turn back towards the table, where the guy is sitting, and also where I left my drink for about two minutes. Stupid me and my friends and I head to the bathroom to plot my escape strategy. The plan was for me to go with them to the bar to get a drink. We would get lost in the crowd, they'd get a beer, and we would head out. It worked just like that too. I finished my drink and walked out of the bathroom with them to the bar. They chugged a beer, and we went to walk out, out of sight of this dude. At this point... It's like my world started spinning. I feel really loopy, and know something isn't right. But I push myself to get out of the bar, thinking, maybe it's just anxiety of me ditching the douche, or the bad sushi. Hint, it wasn't the sushi. As we walk out of the bar, I start blacking out, and I vaguely remember my arms around my friends as we walk down the sidewalk towards another bar. It seems that the guy saw us leaving, and he comes out running after us. He proceeds to ask my friends if I am okay, where am I going, can he come with, are they sure I'm okay, maybe he should take me home. They tell him to bugger off, and we are going to see a friend of ours down the block. He leaves. Next thing I remember is waking up the next day. Vomit everywhere, no clothes, bruises all over my body, wicked headache. Apparently the rest of my night went like this. I kept telling my friends, I think I'm drugged, but they thought I was saying, I think I am drunk. They didn't know how much I drank before I met up with them. At one bar, during the night with them, I collapsed in the middle of the dance floor. And security had to carry me out my friends opted not to call an ambulance and sat me at a table just outside the bar they called the last person i texted which was the second tinder date i was supposed to have later in the week side note we had not met yet and said that i was really fucked up and asked if he can come get me and take me home he did Apparently in the car home, I was quiet and just kept saying I was drugged and asked who he was. When he arrived at my house, I opened the door and began to projectile vomit all over the parking lot. Being that I could hardly stand, I was collapsing into the pavement and slamming into cars. The to-be tender date that brought me home picked me up and carried me into my house. He got me up to my room, and I crawled into the bathroom, making a lot of noise and more. My roommate came out of her room and was like, Who the fuck are you? What the fuck did you do to her? And is ripping this dude who genuinely did a really good thing by helping me when he didn't even know me. He explains to her what he knew, what I kept telling him, and that he was just helping me get home safe. He really was. At that point, there was a loud as fuck thud in the bathroom. Apparently, I had stripped down into my undies, threw up all over, attempted to throw up again, slipped on my bath mat, and slammed my head into the side porcelain bathtub, leading to a really bad concussion. My roommate is freaking out, trying to tie up my vomit-soaked hair while I am trying to crawl out of the bathroom and am crying. The guy that helped me then proceeds to leave. I woke up in shock, covered in bruises and vomit with a massive concussion. What sucks the most is that after my friends convinced me to go to the ER to get myself looked at, the doctor gave me a massive lecture on mixing drugs with alcohol. There were a plethora of anti-anxiety meds and sedatives in my system with some alcohol, of which I had been prescribed some of the anxiety meds in the past, but knew better than to drink and take them, cause they can seriously mess you up. And I had not taken them in about a month, because I never got a new prescription. I tried to explain this to the doctor, but she rolled her eyes and alluded to the fact that I seemed like someone who enjoyed a good time and should try to be safer in my decisions next time. Fuck that doctor. To top it off, I had posted a Snapchat story of my friends with me in the hospital with a shout out to their support in being there with me for hours. And the creepy ass douche Tinder guy messages me saying, Why are you in the hospital? Did something happen last night? I hope you don't think I did anything to you. Yeah, okay, buddy. That doesn't scream guilty as fuck. Anyway, creepy, tender, drugging douche. Let's sure as shit not meet again.